Hello and welcome to Adipod, a podcast by the Australian Taxpayers Alliance. I'm your host, Emilio Garcia. Today, we talk to Elliot and Brian of the ATA, who recently returned from supporting the protests in Hong Kong. We talk to them about that, as well as prioritizing the problems here at home. Please enjoy the episode and stick around after the episode to learn more about how you can participate with the ATA. Please enjoy. Okay, here we are once again in the Australian Taxpayers Alliance office with Brian and Elliot, who returned recently from Hong Kong. And after getting over some pretty severe uh, diseases that we're certainly not claiming were given to them (laughs) through tear gas canisters, uh, they're back. And so we want to talk with them about their experience in Hong Kong, what they saw in the protests. And uh, I want to get started off, first of all, we're going to jump right into the middle of it. What don't people understand about about the protests? Yeah, so I, uh, I think one of the key issues is that people think that it's solely about, you know, this ill-thought-out extradition bill that Carrie Lam, who's like the chief executive of right. Hong Kong, was trying to push through. Cantonese people are pissed off about that bill, but that's like the cherry on top right. that they're pointing to going, this is too far. There's all kinds of underlying issues going on in Hong Kong. So as a, just a rough stat, 50% of all housing in Hong Kong is subsidized by the government because of how densely populated Hong Kong is, how many people are there, Uh, housing prices are just ludicrously high. So the government tries to subsidise the cost of some of those that housing for, uh, you know, half the population there. Mm. Now, to to varying degrees. The issue, though, is that mainland Chinese uh, residents are immigrating to Hong Kong Mm. en masse. Uh, As a bare minimum, it's 150 uh, mainland Chinese per day that's actually approved to come across but then on top of that, you get illegal immigration coming from mainland China. Uh, and they actually, from what I've been told by Hong Kong residents, are getting preferential treatment when it comes to accessing you know, their equivalent of housing commission or housing mm-hmm. subsidies. So those are the sorts of things that frustrate people. Then on top of that, you know, Hong Kong is known for or, or used to be known for you know, having street stalls where you could get like, you know, really cheap meals and mm. uh, having a sort of you know, a, a market vibe about it. Now, there right. are still markets around but those are reducing. There's less street stalls. Uh, you know, before my last trip to Hong Kong, uh, I, you know, I hadn't been there in eight years, and there's a market difference. And, you know, these okay. are all little ancillary things, but it's this underlying feeling and that they've been... Just as a caveat there, the reason that you're seeing a little bit more regulation of this type of businesses is because of mainland China? Yeah, essentially. How so? so? So they, they feel that, like, the Communist Party in mainland China is essentially through demographic change with immigration mm. uh, and through, you know, pressures on housing policy and over-regulation on, you know, even just basic small-level business, right. that they're trying to stifle Hong Kong's culture mm. uh, and, you know, basically force Hong Kong to just become, you know, another part of the wider Chinese community, right. which is objectively true. Uh, and they're frustrated by that. So then all of a sudden, an extradition bill comes along, and that just, you know, that's the straw that breaks the camel's right. back. But two million people don't protest on the street because of a bill. They protest on the street because of all these underlying issues right. and a bullshit bill added on top. Yes, but the coverage that we saw 
was people take to the street because of extradition bill. Yeah. It's like, no, people, like, reach their breaking point. Yeah, because, because of an extradition bill. You right. know, and because the police in Hong Kong, who are supposed to be representing Hong Kong citizens, mm-hmm. are getting more and more brutal and more yep. and more, uh, you know, violent in the way that they crack down on dissent and, and on, you know, democratic protests. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was over there, we started out at the protests. They were all very peaceful. Um, as soon as the police arrived, you could just see tensions flaring mm-hmm. up. Uh, and within a couple of hours, you know, we're getting tear gas shot at us. Right. Uh, and, you know, it just starts kicking off. Like, it's a real powder keg over there. Uh, that night, a tourist area called uh, TST was, like, set on fire. Um, protesters tell me about cops speaking in mainland or in speaking in Mandarin mm. uh, as opposed to Cantonese and using words like comrade and things like that. And ah. they're like... Hong Kong police Not don't use those words. Not something you're going to find in Hong Kong. Yeah, they're like, they're like, Hong Kong police speak Cantonese, they don't right. speak Mandarin, and they don't definitely don't say comrade. Uh, so clearly the mainland Chinese are starting to send police in to try and crack down on this, and it just completely exposes the lie that is the, oh, you know, one uh, country, two systems. Yeah, totally. Uh, comrade Elliot. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, one thing I wanted to touch on there uh, that Brian kind of alluded to is, I don't know, I'll preface this by saying I've never been to Hong Kong before. It was my mm. first trip there. It's an incredible place. There's so much good going on about it. But it's a bit sad that, you know, what's dominating the news now is, is so negative. Right. But I do think that what some people are missing is just how far these people have to be pushed to go the lengths they have yeah. gone to. Right. Riots aren't a common thing in most places. But for Cantonese people, for the people of Hong Kong, it is a whole other world for them. They are some mm. of the most polite and orderly people. You go around the streets and you see uh, their lines for their buses are single file. They don't leave the sort of boundaries that are set up for them. Wow. The train stations are like are really organized and no one's pushing and shoving. They're not jostling. They're just waiting and mm. they're incredibly polite and respectful. And things like graffiti are uh, heavily socially condemned, right? It's wow. just yeah. one of those things that you just don't do. You don't go around the streets seeing graffiti everywhere. When we were there, we saw a lot of graffiti, and all of it, absolutely all of it, was directed at China or the Hong right. Kong police. Yeah. So what's kind of being missed is that, yeah, these are riots, but these aren't just riots in any country. These are riots in a country of people that abhor uh, unruly behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, like, look at France, right? So mm. the French people will riot because you know, the, <laughs> like, no, like, like, they'll, they'll they'll riot because their phone didn't turn on properly. Yeah, that morning. They'll, they'll have a whole uh, revolution. Exactly. <laughs> but in Hong Kong, these things don't happen often. You know, Cantonese people are socially conservative. They don't care about what happens within mm. the confines of your own house. Right. But when you're out in public, don't be a dick. Is essentially, yeah. you know, their view. Um, well, they were even like, waiting for the for the green light to like so cross. We, we streets, were at, we were at a, pro, a pro democracy protest, <laughs> yeah. which had hundreds of thousands of people on the streets. Uh, and at the beginning of the protest, you know, prior to it starting to sort of flare up, they wouldn't even cross the road until the lights changed. Like we we spent a week there. People don't jaywalk in Hong Kong. It's the, right. one of the most densely populated places in the world. And people don't jaywalk. Even uh, even during the protest, when the protest had spilled out onto the streets, they right. still had people uh, every every maybe hundred meters or so cordoning uh, the protesters off and moving them out of one so lane traffic of traffic, could come through. so the buses and other really? things could get past. Yeah, yeah, yeah so they weren't even blocked We've off got the whole footage road. Of it. It's it's um, it's insane. Really remarkable to see. And we'll be we'll be putting footage obviously throughout the episode, which yeah, is a good yeah. reason to go on to our YouTube page. By the way, if you're not there already. But yeah, so now that now that we're talking about things getting a little bit more disorderly, I think that's that's probably yeah. what everyone wants to hear. 
you guys were in the thick of it. So, you know, as you said before, most of the protests actually was kind of benign. People were just kind of making their voice heard in a very orderly fashion. Yeah. But eventually the police did arrive and eventually, you know, tear gas started going left and right. I heard that you guys don't recommend it. Yeah, uh, it kind of sucks, actually. Yeah, breaking news, tear gas sucks, just in case you weren't aware. Um, yeah, so when we went to the protests, to be honest, I didn't even really think tear gas had come out. I was like, oh, look, I've been to Hong Kong a few times. Mm. I speak a bit of Cantonese. Um, I know Hong Kong quite, quite well. Uh-huh. And I was thinking to myself, like, look, they're only going to bring out tear gas if, like, it really goes, you know, haywire. Right. Uh, but once we got to essentially the PLA building, where uh, is like, which is like a garrison now, uh, where a lot of the protests are sort of set up at, around to protest mm-hmm. the Communist Party of China, um, within 20 minutes, they were just firing tear gas into wow. the crowd. Um, I've got footage of it, but like I was just setting my camera up, uh, and as I was getting set up to like focus in on one of the cops up on a on like a a, a cherry picker essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like just heard the sound and was like, oh, okay, I think he just fired a tear gas canister and it exploded like a few meters away. Within a second, it's like just in your lungs, in your eyes. Like it's crazy. And you um, were relatively far away from it at that point, right? It, it wasn't like, it right like a few meters. Yeah. So like, you know, it didn't blow up right next to me. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I've got a few seconds before it hits. No, it's like, like instant. And imagine being right next to it or something. Like the people yeah. that have it like go off right next to them. That must be a, that well, must be that's, a party. That's actually another thing is that the correct uh, deployment mechanism for tear gas, generally speaking among uh, Western countries, is that you don't shoot it at the people you want to disperse. You shoot it near them so that the cloud oh. reaches them and they're affected by it and they disperse. Right? But what the Hong Kong police were doing, especially around this, this PLA uh, garrison building, was shooting it directly into the crowd. And those canisters are, I don't know exactly what speed they come out, but it's very fast. And if they <laughs> hit you, they will do serious damage. There's a reason. It's not uh, loosely being lobbed by some guy. Like, it's being fired out of a gun. Yeah. Wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that. That's pretty interesting. Although, I mean, I, I suppose that we're all shocked that, you know, Chinese uh, people yes. would, uh, would, right, yeah. would be not rough follow to uh, human rights but I mean, like, uh, general you imagine, uh, you imagine the impact of, a, of beanbag guns that you see, yeah. the bruising that can leave. Imagine an aluminium canister doing the same, hitting yeah. you in the same place. That is a, another level of, of violence. Yeah, I mean, Dang. that being said, though, like, the protesters are really well organized. Like, I mean, uh, look, I don't mean to dump on the French. It's... It's, it's it's not their fault that they're a bunch of cheese-eating surrender monkeys. But they can't protest for shit. Hong Kong people, like, literally, they, they had, like, a moving barricade system. So they would, like, get, like, uh, traffic barricades and then, like, oh. you know, set umbrellas up around them to, like, cover uh, what they were doing behind the, the mm. umbrellas. And they would just slowly shift it forward up towards the garrison and then, like, throw back the tear gas canisters yeah. or... What they would do is they would, like, originally what they were doing at first is they were using witches' hats to cover the tear gas before it went off, and then they'd pour water down it to, like, smother the tear gas. Okay. Now what they do is they just put it straight into, like, a plastic bag, wrap it up, and then it can't, you know, which is Witches' hats yeah. being traffic cones. Yeah, 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 which is how being traffic cunt. Sorry, I, for, I forgot you're a CFO. I, I just didn't know um, how many of the people listening to this would know. What Australians that is. know. Okay, Australians okay. know. So, I'm more out of, out of touch than the people that I'm talking to. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw a couple of those videos. What do you think was, uh, once you were there, like the situation when you guys said, oof, this is like, this is dicey, like the point so, where you so, were like so, a little bit more. Worried. So it's hard to get gas masks in Hong Kong now. Mm. Um, the government's trying to crack down on people purchasing them because. 
if they don't have gas masks, then they can disperse protesters a lot more quickly. Right. Uh, so we didn't have gas masks on the on that first protest. Uh, and, you know, we managed to avoid most of the tear gas and sort of then we moved back a bit to where a lot of the press were up on like a gantry or like a walkway uh, and were relatively safe. But then as nightfall sort of kicked in, um, the whole time the, the police had like a big military helicopter like flying up ahead. So obviously they were using that to coordinate riot police. Uh, and I just started noticing like, you know, riot police coming down one street, riot police coming down to the right of us. Literally just behind a gate, maybe five metres away from us, was another 20 or 30 riot police. Uh, and like it, They were basically just encircling the whole area. And I just said to Elliot, I was like, look, if they're going to come in, they're just going to be firing tear gas and hitting anyone in sight, and we don't have gas masks or anything to protect us, right. so we should probably... like This is the point that we should clear out. Right. Uh, I would have liked to have stayed, but I didn't have a gas mask. Mm. Um, so that's when we chose to leave. We actually got given a gas mask later in the week by a protester, um, but yes, too late by then. That, yeah. uh, and that sort of follows this general pattern of, especially at the uh, the MTRs, the um, sort of underground train stations that uh, run mm-hmm. throughout Hong Kong. What the police have been doing when they've cracked down in those areas is that they've been shutting off things like the lift services and the gateways, and then they've gone in in force. And, they just and that, that's everyone. when the protesters have been yeah. badly injured. So it's when you start to feel that they're encircling or boxing in the protest that's when you've got a short amount of time before things are going to go south right. in a hurry. Well, that's that's the video that we saw that was that outraged the entire internet, was basically yeah. the, the police uh, pepper spraying these protesters. They'd already surrendered. They were yeah, sitting yeah. down with their yeah. hands up. They'd already surrendered, and the and the police ran in onto the train, mm. hit them with pepper spray, had already had already like uh, fired gas mm-hmm. mu- uh, tear gas canisters into yeah. at the train and just started wailing on these people. And it's also... And not just them, like, even just general bystanders. So protesters wear black. They wear black shirts. Mm. Uh, They have gas masks. You can can spot a protester pretty easily. The cops just ran into the MTR and were just beating anyone in sight, essentially, Mm. because they just shut down the MTR. Well, and I think that a lot of people saw that also as the point uh, that was passed between taking control... Of, of the crowds, making sure they didn't get too rowdy. And then just bashing people. Yeah. Yes, and just getting violent. Mm. And I think that and that showed it. If you're shutting down the elevators and not giving people a means through which to escape and you're just beating them, that's no longer riot control. Well, they're also trying to punish them after the fact. So yeah. at the protest, we've got some footage of it, there was a huge truck that was spraying blue dye towards the protesters. And the purpose of that is so that the protesters get marked with the blue dye so that when they then try and go home later that night, the cops can pick them out and arrest them and beat the crap out of them or whatever. Uh, so, Which is very innovative. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm actually okay with, a, with police being like, look, we were at this protest and in this one area here it got really violent and we arrested those perpetrators. Mm. But to spray people with dye in the hopes that, you know, you'll catch them on a train later on... Yeah. And arrest them for just being at a protest yeah. is is what it's undemocratic, funnily enough, wow. uh, and it's complete bullshit. Yeah, well, I, th- I think that that's uh, that gets the crux of the issue. And uh, as we kind of look over and see what's happening in a place like Hong Kong and all the real instability that is going on throughout the world, let's turn our attention now to the beautiful oasis that is Australia. rich western countries uh, yeah and uh, manufactured outrage right like yes it, this is a discussion we had when we were over there i'm like we, we went to a student protest uh, mm. on the monday after the big protest on the saturday yeah uh and it was like peaceful all the kids were behaved. they were handing out cooked meals for people that were attending and like bottles of water and stuff 
Uh, and I like I was watching ten year old kids like a police car drove past a protest, and I was watching ten year old kids like angrily screaming at the cops, being like, "Go away!" Wow. And it's like kids aren't meant to be uh, kids aren't meant to not trust police. Yeah. Right. Like if you live in a society where the police can't be trusted by children, mm. then something's broken. Yeah. So. I was talking to Ellie about it. I'm like, you know, I'm seeing like actual legitimate issues of concern here. And then I go and check out, you know, news.com.au or whatever's happening on like morning breakfast news mm. in Australia. And it's an article about like this footballer fell down some stairs <laughs> or like, you know, this guy here has a wacky haircut. What does this mean for... It, it, yeah. It's just bullshit. This is... Uh, an example came up, I think it was last week, maybe the week before. There was a uh, a protest in Brisbane for the, the climate emergency, oh, right? Which is boy. using the word emergency really loosely yeah. when you look at what's <laughs> actually happening around the world. I have a hunger but emergency. Right? One of these <laughs> protesters... <laughs> uh, so one of these protesters got arrested and said that they plan to contest this charge on the grounds that having been declared an emergency by local councils around the country, it's valid for them to take action like having a nap on a zebra crossing. Right. And trying to... Yeah. So, <laughs> they, their argument is that it's such a real emergency right. that they felt compelled to lie down for a bit. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, the people of Hong Kong and the students of Hong Kong mm. are out there on the streets, like taking yeah. real risks against a police force that is violent in a right. in a really genuine well, direct sense. Representative of a communist regime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. Well, that's the action when you see someone who is actually aware that they are actually facing an existential crisis. Versus people that don't really think so but want to look cool. Well, they're, mm. they're 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 signalling, right? So. Mm. I actually, uh, I put up a few posts on my profile about what was going on, yeah. uh, and I posted about those kids that were at this student protest, and I'm like, look, these kids are here, they were screaming at police because they view police as da a danger to them, which is not okay. And some lefty journalist commented being like, oh, uh, you know, this is just like the, the climate strike. In Australia, I'm like, well, n not really, because <laughs> the people in Hong Kong are facing a direct threat. Right. Now, I'm not here to debate climate science, but even in the worst case scenario, climate change is nowhere near as a direct threat as yeah. a communist uh, country like China trying to impose their will directly onto your people, right? Yeah. And locking people up for dissent and all that kind of stuff. But they seem to think that they're both of equal footing and it's completely ridiculous and it, it, and it, f it completely falls apart where the mo the most outrageous stuff we hear from climate activists is if we don't take action in the next x amount of you know years like 10 Hours. years or something yeah. everyone will die and it's like okay so if you genuinely believed mm. that your entire family and everyone you ever loved was going to die unless we did something in the next 10 years you would be Going completely crazy out on the streets, yeah. like you would, you would want to put Alan Jones's head on a stick for, for denying <laughs> climate science. Of course, but they don't. They draw in chalk at Martin Players and have a lie down, so they don't believe it. It's just, mm. it's bullshit. Well, it is bullshit. I also saw. Now we're getting a little too much into climate change, so we'll shift yeah, to a yeah. second. But I did see an article today about the bravery of the people who took the day off to go to the climate change strike, <laughs> uh, the climate emergency strike. Oh. Nobody knows. It, it, it takes a really brave individual to take yeah, I'm not going to school off, today. Yeah, to basically have fun with their friends outside of a festive environment. Yes. While the media 
kisses your ass. I know that it takes a huge And face no crackdown from law enforcement, face no potential. Exactly. Like, people in Hong Kong, they're wearing masks, mm. they use Telegram to speak anonymously, because the government is watching who is doing this. Yeah. The, the students who went to... The, there's a leaked uh, recording that I posted on my profile, and we'll include it in this. Uh, the day after the student protests... Uh, the head of the education board basically admitted in a, in a, in a recorded phone call to someone that the government was trying to get lists of people who didn't go to school that day. So, like, they're not even stopping wow. at adults. They want to know what children are pro-democracy so they can fucking blacklist them. So that's the kind of threat that these people face, and they're getting out there. And now some 15-year-old with a septum piercing has a sign that says, fuck ScoMo. <laughs> And I'm supposed to say, yes, queen, you know, how <laughs> or brave. Nice queen, or yeah. Yeah, like, no, you, you just took a day off school. Yeah, and you held a sign and people were praising you for it. And then we can get into kind of like also the social... You're aspect. not brave, you're obnoxious. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, but speaking kind of this hyperbolic, obnoxious nature of rhetoric, mm. you know, we actually do have serious issues going on. Yeah, but this is all a distraction. Yeah, well, for example, the uh, on both the left and the right, just the, the, the impending doom that comes from the other side. For us, it's the the socialist millennials, yeah. and for you know the far right, it's I don't know the Jews or something, or the immigrants. It's, you know, for um, the far right, it's 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 always the Jews somehow for the far know, right somehow. It's uh, it always comes back to shekels. Get a real fixation. It's just on that. if you see the word shekels in there somewhere, you're like, oh, okay, okay, so, okay, you're a weirdo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's this no, but guy. seriously, like <laughs> it, it. Whenever I see like some right wing, like, and I mean, when I say right wing, I mean no, like yeah. actual fucking extremist right wingers. Right, right, right. When I see them posting about some great threat, at some point someone brings up, oh, this is the Jews. And it's like, right. really? They do everything? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's... I, like, I've got Jewish godparents. I had no idea. They never told me. They're so nefarious, you know? Yeah. They can just be people that you know and they're, they just, seem kind of nice, but actually, they are plotting for your destruction, brother. Yeah, one... one <laughs> and they're Satanists and the eight babies. Yeah, um, apparently. Like, it's... I, I never understand the logic. And then you go far left and it's like, everything is Rupert Murdoch's fault or something. Yeah. Or, or far right, or you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. rich people, whatever. But it's it, it, in both on both sides, it seems to be just a tiny contingent of people that are out of their mind, mm. and then like a, an over overzealous media, and on the mm. right, it's a little bit more alt media as well, just blowing it out of proportion. And so, sure, it's clickbait. Have, yeah, but we like we have socialists, of course we do, and and there's these uh, what is it, the report like you know, eighty five percent of of millennials are social, university students are socialists. Oh, really? Where'd you get those numbers? Oh, we went to the humanities department at UCID and asked 100 students. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, obviously, that maybe will skew the results a little bit. Do we really think that 85% of all young people are Marxists? Of course not. And do we think that there's a huge contingent of people here in Australia that legitimately think that Jews and immigrants are an existential threat? Well, yeah, I mean, this this Australia. this goes back to uh, yeah, a discussion right, yeah. I was having with with a couple of people online. Mm. Which first mistake: don't have discussions with people online. Yeah. It's a waste of time. <laughs> um, but it was that thing. Like I, I I made the great thought crime of saying, "Hey, I actually think the Western world's getting objectively better. Like there's issues that we need to fix, but I think things are getting better." And you know, someone brought up, "Well, what about the rise of?" Uh, Nazis. I'm like, well, where are they? What rise? Like, okay, <laughs> right? right. When was the last just... time you saw some goose stepping on, on exactly. George Street? Right? But like when? Like, <laughs> yeah. like where is this happening? Okay, so you can point to one weirdo who films with an iPhone three in the back of his, you know, Corolla, and thinks that everything is due to Zionism or whatever. Mm. But it's like, in, no, that's just a crazy guy who found a live stream. Exactly. And then 
people tell me that there's a rise of socialism. Like, well, no, there's a rise of, like, people that think the government can fix things and yeah. they're wrong. But where are these Marxists? There's a couple... It, what it is, is it's vocal minorities on both sides. Yes. And for some stupid reason, we give them attention. Huh. And we're doing it now by discussing it, but, like... Right. But, but, then, but it's so funny because we look at we look here... And everything's great. Let's be honest. Australia's doing very well. A lot of issues that well, we, we want to fix. Yeah, well, that's the thing. When everything is illegal, taxes are high. We have things to fix. But, you know, look over, uh, look above us, you know, a few miles that way. I can criticize the government and not get added quick. to a list. Exactly. I can attend a protest and not worry about some cop beating the shit out of me when I catch the train home. Mm. Um, things are objectively okay. You can go, bro- you can go okay. broke and not really go broke. You would still be rich mm. by global standards yes. if you went on the dole today. Yeah. Here. Well, yeah, we have an underappreciation of how lucky even like I'm not saying there aren't people who are doing it so tough, you know, Australia, but the average person who is on the poverty line in Australia is still in the top ten percent around the world. Absolutely. Well wealthier than millions of people. It's we don't appreciate that most that. people listening to this podcast or most people that we've met have never met a person below the ten percent richest people yeah. in yeah. the world. Absolutely. It's very likely. Even Absolutely. me from Mexico. I like, my maid when I was a kid, she was in the 10%. Yeah. Just because she's in Mexico and not in Zimbabwe. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it, it's one of those things where it's like somehow it's outrageous to suggest that actually things in this country are doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, and as a result, there's manufactured outrage, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I spent a week in Hong Kong. All I saw was, you know, young people really concerned about their futures, families concerned about what's going to happen, mm-hmm. uh, and people really frustrated about, about you know, an overarching government imposing their will undemocratically on, you know, themselves and their neighbours and everyone they care mm-hmm. about. And then I get home and it's like the greatest outrage is, you know, a debate over whether or not we should call someone, you know, Captain Picklefingers or something, mm. whatever stupid thing they want to call themselves. Like, right. And it's what just, is, I'm just like, this isn't, this is irrelevant. It's, a, it's a, it's not even a one percent issue, and so somehow it's across every media channel. Yeah. What it is is Dutch mountains, and and what Dutch I mean by Dutch mountains, okay. right? I want to hear this so, segue. <laughs> so if you're from Colorado, mm. you know what a mountain is. Right. Yeah. If you if you're anywhere along the Rockies, you know what a mountain is. If you live in the Blue Mountains in Australia, you know what a mountain is. Sure. Uh, if you live in a lot of places, you know what a mountain is. Right. If you're from any of those places and you go to the Netherlands and you ask a Dutch person what the tallest mountain in their country is, <laughs> they'll point you to a hill. Right. Because yeah. their country mm. is so damn flat. Yes. So it a Dutch mountain is not a mountain at all. And right. this inequality we have, this racism, yeah. the rise of neo-Nazism mm-hmm. only exists in a place where these things are so absent that one crazy dude represents a neo-Nazi movement, yeah. where one terrorist is an epidemic of violence, right? Yeah. We've got it so good, even the tiny things look uh, terrible. Yeah, well, that's true. Even, like, racism. I'm fairly certain that there is some racism in Australia. Yeah, sure. of course. It's everywhere. Those people that said that it doesn't exist, because it probably does. In Australia, maybe you'll get a dirty look by a guy at Coles. In other countries, they'll murder you, you and people who look like you get put in a camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's very different standards, really. Yeah, it, it, it is. It, it is one of those things where, like, and it happens in libertarian circles too, where people just go through these threads of doom, navel gazing over like the implications of some irrelevant bullshit that doesn't matter. Mm. 
And I, I probably sound like a boomer when I say this to these people, but I'm like, hey, go outside. Go no, seriously, <laughs> go for a walk. Yeah. Like go to a park and pat a dog. Yeah. It put your phone on silent for a little bit. Put your yeah, put your phone on silent for a little bit. Don't worry about social media. Go and pat a dog. Exactly. And then you'll realize that in in Australia specifically, things are actually pretty good. Like I, I went on a fishing trip a few months ago. Yeah. I just went up north and that whole time in the lead up to that trip, you know, I'm stuck in a, uh, I, I'm stuck in the sort of political environment. Right. So it's like everything's bad, and the other side are enemies, and uh, and everything's going to shit. Yeah. And then I went outside, and I went <laughs> fishing, and it was lovely. Yeah. And everyone I engaged with, you know, didn't matter if they were just the dude working at Macca's or someone else who was out on a holiday. Mm. It was okay. And I drove for thousands of miles. <laughs> never came across a militia. Never had to like, you know, pay off a border guard before he. Yeah shot me like <laughs> no but you know what i mean yeah, right like yeah, yeah, sure. it's there's, there's people here that are running around screaming saying that like australia was a fascistic nation or that it's you know this that, and the other no actually it's pretty good here yeah. and if it is fascism it's, you know what <laughs> yeah if this is fascism then it has a point guys if this <laughs> is fascism nothing is fascism, fascism. Exactly. Right? but like yeah <laughs> if everyone's a nazi no one's a nazi and if everyone's a socialist no one's a socialist exactly well, uh, to all the Nazis and socialists out there, thank you so much for listening. We've uh, reached the end of the episode, and uh, we'll see you again next time. Thanks so much. Taxation is theft. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Adipod, a podcast by the Australian Taxpayers Alliance. If you care to know more about the ATA, visit their website, www.taxpayers.org where you'll be able to see their mission statement, their projects, campaigns, objectives, and so much more. Remember, listening to the podcast is free, but creating it isn't. If you'd like to continue to see the Australian Taxpayers Alliance advocacy, please consider becoming a member or donating. You can do this on their website as well. This has been Adipod. We'll see you next time.